trust is built on this idea of an exchange in workplaces. So you go to your workplace, you sign a contract that says, hey, you're going to work nine hours a day or seven hours a day, whatever your hours are. In exchange, you're going to get pay. And a lot of people are promised opportunities to get promoted or to learn. But it's not just on those really objective measures that we build trust. In fact, for a lot of us, trust is built through having our needs met at work. And it's really important when you're selecting a workplace or evaluating whether your workplace is trustworthy to think about does it meet your needs. Welcome back to The Fix, your career playbook for the new world of work. Every week, we share insights, research, and actionable tips for how to advance at work without losing yourself. Today, I'm your guest host, Selena Suresh. I've worked with Michelle for a long time, and today I'm going to interview her on a topic we should all care about, trust. The extent to which we feel we belong at work depends on our relationship with our workplace. Now, we don't often think about our job as a relationship, but it is, at least in a sense. Your job is a reciprocal relationship. You give your time, energy and expertise in exchange for money, advancement and fulfillment at a basic level. This exchange can only happen if both parties trust each other, which is why Michelle refers to the relationship between workplaces and employees as a trust exchange. Today's challenge is that so many people don't trust their workplaces. This is why we see the rise of quiet quitting or the lazy girl jobs phenomenon. People want to come to work, do the bare minimum and go home because workplaces are not meeting their needs beyond a paycheck. The problem is, next to sleeping, work is where we spend the most significant number of hours over our lifetime. We just can't afford to not care about work or ignore our need for meaning and belonging. Our experience of work makes up a considerable proportion of our experience of life. On today's episode, I will interview Michelle on the topic of trust at work. Hi, Michelle, and welcome. Many of our listeners might be wondering why it matters if they trust their workplace. Can you share more on why the topic of trust is something we should all care about? Today, we're talking about trust, trust in workplaces. How can you tell if you trust your workplace? So the reason this topic matters is because trust, like how much you trust your workplace is really predictive of a lot of things that matter to all of us. So the more you trust your workplace, the more productive you're going to be, the more engaged you're going to be, the more meaning you're going to derive from work, the more connected you're going to feel when it comes to the people you work with, the more likely you are to be successful. I think the reason I really wanted to tackle this topic in my new book, How Work Works, is because a 2020 survey of 33,000 people in over 28 countries found that one in three people don't trust their employer. One in three people are walking around feeling like they can't predict how people in their workplace are going to behave. They can't bank on their workplace showing up for them. They don't believe their employer has their best interests at heart. Those are all factors that predict trust. And so for all of my listeners who might be thinking, is that me? How do I know if that's me? I want you to think about whether you trust your workplace and to take a moment to maybe consider some of the factors that predict how likely it is that you do trust your employer. So questions to think about are, do you know how employees are expected to behave in your workplace? Do these behaviors make you feel included, respected and accepted for who you are? 
Do you feel comfortable freely expressing your feelings? Are disagreements in your organization discussed openly? Do you trust people to do their job? Do you believe that they're competent? Are you willing to voice your opinions, raise your questions and share your ideas? Do you feel you can be yourself or do you spend a lot of time hiding or changing who you are to try and fit in at work? Do you feel included in informal social groups or network? Do you feel you know what's going on at work and have access to the information you need to get your job done? Do you believe your organization's committed to your learning and development? And do you believe your coworkers are willing to support and advocate for your career advancement? All of those 10 questions, right, are predictors of trust. Now, if you answered no to any of them, it's likely that you don't trust your workplace on certain dimensions. And each of these factors really relates to our primary needs at work. So we often don't think about our workplaces in terms of meeting our specific needs, but they do. And I actually wish more people would think of it in that way, because the reality is workplaces really do need to meet our needs. You know, often trust is built on this idea of an exchange in workplaces. So you go to your workplace, you sign a contract that says, hey, you're going to work nine hours a day or seven hours a day, whatever your hours are. In exchange, you're going to get pay. And a lot of people are promised opportunities to get promoted or to learn. But it's not just on those really objective measures that we build trust. In fact, for a lot of us, trust is built through having our needs met at work. And it's really important when you're selecting a workplace or evaluating whether your workplace is trustworthy to think about does it meet your needs. So the five sort of primary needs people have, the first is around you have to, at a really basic level, feel psychologically and physically safe. So you have to feel like this is a workplace where you're going to be safe. And then it's not enough to just feel safe. You also need to feel connected to the people that you work with, have a sense of this is an environment where I can be myself, be valued for that. In other words, belonging. So that's the second sort of primary need. The third primary need is you want to be able to feel that you can make a meaningful contribution and importantly, that that contribution is going to be valued. So whatever skills you have, whatever strengths you have, you need an environment where you can put those into play and make a contribution and that that contribution is going to have a positive impact and that impact will be valued. So that's the third piece. The fourth need most of us have is we want freedom to learn and develop. So in psychology, we call this autonomy. And really what it means is you need to have a degree of ownership over what you're doing. No one wants to be micromanaged. People want to learn and grow. They want an opportunity to do their jobs without constantly having someone breathe down their neck. And then finally, in learning to do our jobs and do them well, we want to be recognized as competent professionals. So people want to know that their skills are seen as something that the organization values. So if you want to think about whether you trust your workplace, the 10 questions that I asked before all link to some of these needs that we have. And we often don't evaluate our workplaces on how well they're meeting our needs. But what I know for sure, based on the research, is if your organization isn't meeting one of those core needs, you're going to struggle to feel connected to your workplace. And in other words, you're going to struggle to trust the people that you're working with. So whenever I now consider taking on a role or consider a job opportunity, I will make sure that I'm thinking about, is this an environment that can meet all of my needs? And if not, what am I going to do about that? Because the need doesn't go away just because your workplace can't meet it. So I think trust is foundational to our happiness at work. And for me, that's why it's such an important topic that doesn't get enough airtime. If trust is so important, Has it always been? Or is this essential now in the new world of work? 
Trust has always been essential to workplaces, but I think what we've seen over the last 60 to 80 years is a dramatic shift in how workplaces are functioning, and that requires a greater degree of trust. So we've seen the first major change being the rise of technical roles. So the World Economic Forum estimates that by 2030, about 50% of the tasks we undertake as part of our job are going to change because of automation. And that's actually going to increase the demand for greater social and emotional skills. The need for that will grow in every industry. And that's just sort of the starting point, right? So trust is something that happens through the interactions we have at work. And being able to build trust is an essential part of having sort of advanced social and emotional skills. So the first point is all of that's been driven by AI and automation, making collaboration far more important. So 83% of us are going to have to work with other people to do our jobs, which means we're going to have to know how to build trust because to work with others, you have to trust them. You just do. You've got to trust they're going to show up. You've got to trust that they're going to behave in a way that includes you. You've got to trust that they're going to share information information, all the different ways we can demonstrate trust. The second major change is the diversification of talent. So we're seeing across the board, you're going to work with people who don't look like you. And that's driving a need for knowing how to bridge your differences with others. We tend to trust people who are similar to us. That's a very dangerous game because that's how you get all white male networks where men bond with, include, and connect with people who are similar to them while excluding everybody else. And I think the challenge with that is you can't afford to do that anymore. That's my message to white men. You can no longer afford to only network with people who look like you because the innovation, the collaboration, the creativity we want is an outcome of being able to harness the value of diverse teams. Knowing how to build trust with people who don't look like you is absolutely essential. It's an essential skill. And then the third piece is hybrid working has actually eroded trust, made it a lot harder to trust people because you don't have their context, right? You don't know why somebody's got their camera off. You don't know what somebody's going through in their day or why they can't join the meeting or why they seem off on the video call. You've got no context, right? In an in-person or office environment, it's much easier to see and read somebody's nonverbal cues, understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's a lot harder in a hybrid setting. And so, So building trust is really essential if we're going to maintain a hybrid way of working, which 70 to 80 percent of companies say they are going to do. And then I think finally, we've got to recognize, you know, as I've shared before, workplaces are becoming a lot more informal. They're becoming less hierarchical, fewer policies and processes, a lot more trust based where individuals have more autonomy over their tasks. You can make decisions at at a quicker, sort of faster rate. And all of this really requires that workplaces trust us to do our jobs, but also that we trust the people we work with. And I think what all of it boils down to is in a world with self-managing teams, in a world where there's a ton of diversity, where we're having to have these advanced social and emotional skills, knowing how to build trust is really, really important. The main message is this is not going away, but we have to build the skill of knowing what does it take to build trust? So if I don't trust my workplace, the first question I would ask you is what are you doing to build trust yourself? Because we are our workplaces. So understanding what it takes to build trust is really important. So we know that trust is important, but what does it actually take to build trust? I think the starting point for recognizing what it takes to build trust is understanding what are trust creating behaviors and what are trust eroding behaviors. 
So I would argue a lot of the behaviors that people engaged in in the sort of 1950s transactional workplace that was very hierarchical, valued a very dominant, assertive way of leading, those behaviors tend to erode trust today, look to sort of exclude people who are different, right? It really valued one type of person. And I would argue the more hierarchical, the more command and control, the more policy and processes you have, those are really low trust organizations. Because organizations have to put that structure in place to control employees, right? They are built on this idea of having power over others rather than power with others and sharing a lot of the autonomy around decision making and around power structures. So if we think about what are the behaviors that derail trust, I want you to think about your workplace now. When it comes to how people lead, is it dominant, assertive, aggressive, competitive, maybe a little bit exclusionary? Is your organization hierarchical? Because if you are a company that really values going through the hierarchy, that's a low trust environment, right? And if you think about yourself, are you somebody who is open to moving beyond just the hierarchy? Or do you tend to take quite a transactional approach that really follows the line, follows policies and processes, because that tends to be trust eroding. And that's why we have this challenge in workplaces where a lot of mid-level managers tell employees what to do, and they largely follow suit. And that was built out of the industrial era where people would go into factories, complete a task over and over. And the reality is that's not what people need today. Today, we need managers who trust us. We need managers who are much more focused on how and leading from a place of coaching, delegating, enabling, rather than controlling. And so I think if you're a leader who's engaging in those behaviors, focusing on outputs, focusing on where people spend their time, how much they're in the office, you're engaging in behaviors that are actually derailing trust. I think what the opposite looks like, and just to give you an example, is environments where they're super trustworthy, where people have a lot of trust for one another. They tend to be a lot more inclusive, collaborative, democratic, caring, tend to have flatter organizational structures, tend to have fewer mid-level managers. And it's a culture that's built on enabling and empowering. And people really focus on both what they do and how they do it. So I want you to think about yourself then for a minute. What are those behaviors you're engaging in? Is it the more 1950s workplace or is it the workplace of the future that is much more about trust? Because the future of work really is a culture of trust. Diversity, equity, inclusion are outcomes of cultures of trust. And a lot of the reason most of us struggle with our workplace is because we simply don't trust the people we work with. And that's why we default to what we know, which is that 1950s world of work. Given how critical trust is to our success, what is the cost of not getting it right? People who work for companies that they trust tend to know how to collaborate, share ideas, support one another, work together. And as a result, you see a range of benefits, right? So across the board, you're going to see about 74% of employees feel less stressed, 40% feel less burnt out, about 15% take fewer sick days you're likely to have 106% more energy and productivity at work. You're going to be 76% more engaged. You're going to be 50% more likely to report feeling included. About 30% of employees report greater satisfaction in their lives. And one of the statistics I find just absolutely amazing is that employees who trust their organizations the most have an average income of 10.3% higher than those who don't. 
So across the board, you're just seeing a raft of benefits that come from trusting your workplace. What would you say is the number one reason people trust their workplace? This one's actually quite easy, the answer to this. It's that employees feel like they can be themselves, speak up, share information and ideas and contribute. And the extent to which they also feel like those contributions are going to be valued. That's the greatest factor around trust because trust is fundamentally about predictability. Can I predict how my teammates are going to show up? Can I predict that my teammates are going to show up in a way that has my best interests at heart? When we can predict how people are going to show up, we're much more likely to trust them. I mean, that's why people tend to trust people who are similar to them because it's easy to predict how they're going to show up. I think for me, what we have to recognize is we can either build or break trust in workplaces. And that's where this idea of the trust exchange that I talk about in my book comes into play. Both parties in a workplace, you and your teammates, have to trust each other. And it's an exchange in terms of you're giving your time and energy. And what you're wanting from your workplace is for your workplace to meet your needs. And every single one of those needs I mentioned earlier really are met through the informal behaviors that people engage in. So how your teammates treat you is going to build psychological safety, physical safety, is going to build belonging, is going to make you feel like your contributions are valued. It's going to help you learn. And it's also going to provide opportunities to be recognized for the contribution you make. Those are your five needs. And incredible thing about this is when people feel like they're treated fairly, they're much more likely to feel like they belong. And the more you feel like you belong, the more you're going to believe that your teammates are trustworthy. So we really are our workplaces. And I think we have to recognize that we're trying to make this shift, right, to become much more trustworthy in terms of knowing in my workplace, I can have my needs met. Now, if we all have a role to play in building trust, Where do we start? What can we do? How can you build trust? So for me, trust is about predictability, right? Can you predict how your teammates are going to show up? That requires three ingredients. The first is getting really clear on what are the behaviors you need to engage in that are going to build trust. So I shared some of those earlier. My book details it even further. But if we think about, you know, the different ways people build trust, are you really conscious of who you're including, how diverse your network is, who you're sharing information with? how you're supporting your teammates in terms of their development, how you're advocating for other people's career advancement. Like you're thinking about the different ways you can demonstrate your trustworthiness by playing it forward, right? Thinking of that exchange. Are you holding up your end of the exchange? And getting really clear about what good looks like to you in terms of how you do your work, how you collaborate, how you include how you engage your teammates. And once you've got that clarity, the next trick is to be really consistent in how you show up. So consistency is key. So once you've got clarity on how you want to work and what are the behaviors you're engaging in that build trust, you need to be consistent. So do you show up every way in terms of how you do your job that actually supports those behaviors? Are you translating that into not just what you do, but how you do it in terms of your achievements, right? So really getting consistent in terms of how you're showing up because that's going to build that predictability. And then finally, using the how to also guide the decisions you make. So having a bit of transparency around why you're doing what you're doing and making sure that if you get it wrong, you own it and you make it safe for people to give you feedback. You focus on building that self-awareness and making sure you've got a level of transparency around sort of how you're showing up. So those are the three magic ingredients for building trust. 
Lastly, Michelle, it's likely that we all at some point or another will break trust. So how do we bounce back from this? The final piece of this that I want to leave everybody with is in the book, I share our ACM model of feedback, which I've discussed on the podcast before, but it's actually a fantastic model for giving and receiving feedback when you get things wrong. So let's say you forget to share a critical piece of information or you forget to invite somebody to a meeting or you forget to include somebody in Friday night drinks or after work sort of event. How can you account for that to rebuild trust? What can we do when we get it wrong? And I think this is really important because most of us, I like to think, don't intentionally set out to break trust, but it does happen and we have to account for it and rebuild trust when that happens. So the ACM model of feedback goes a little bit like this. The A stands for when you're giving someone feedback, making them aware of the impact their behavior has. So saying something like, When you left me off that email, I wasn't able to attend the meeting. And more importantly, it really made me feel devalued. It made me feel excluded. It's difficult to do my job when I don't feel included. And I found it really upsetting. And in future, I'd like you to really think about who you include in meetings. Make sure that I'm on that list. And then you might move on. So awareness of the impact is helping somebody understand what they did and then what the broader impact of that was, both on you as well as the people that you work with. And then C stands for corrective action. So when you're giving feedback, you really want to suggest how somebody can do it differently and almost prompt them to think about that. And then M is moving on. You want to do this in the moment. You want to do this as naturally as possible. Don't make it weird. Just do it as quickly, as seamlessly as possible. Just give someone the feedback and then move on. And I think moving through that model, you know, if you can make that a regular practice, hey, are you aware when you did this, this was the impact in future, I'd like you to think about doing it this way, cool, move on, make that a regular way of letting somebody know how they've essentially broken your trust. If you're on the receiving end of it, then this is the big one, you really want to apologize for the impact your behaviors had. So you want to make sure you're acknowledging, yes, I left you off the meeting invite. I'm really sorry about that. Understand that must have really made you feel excluded, must have also really made it hard for you to do your job. And then follow that up with the corrective action in future. This is what I'm going to do differently to make sure I invite you to that meeting and then move on. So we account for ourselves when we take responsibility in the moment for our behavior and commit to really making a change, right? And then just simply moving on. So that's how we can build trust. And I think it's also just getting really comfortable for taking accountability in the moment. It's okay to say, I don't know enough about it to comment or thanks for the sharing that. I'll correct that now and in the future, like just getting really comfortable taking account. The reason that matters is that's what builds trust. It's not about getting it right all the time. It's about how do we respond when we get it wrong? And I think too often we get defensive. We want to protect our ego, our self-image. And as a result, we don't take account. And that's what erodes trust. You become less predictable. If you acknowledge the impact, you become somebody who's trustworthy because your teammates know even if you get it wrong, your intent is still to have their best interests at heart. How we experience work is how we experience a considerable amount of our lives, which is why managing the meaning we derive from work is essential to our overall life satisfaction. Knowing how your workplace works is how we begin to make it work for everyone. We've got something special for anyone who has ordered a copy of How Work Works. Michelle and I have built a career e-journal with 52 exercises, including advice and tips for managing your career. You can access this now on michellepeking.com. 
A 2019 research study by consulting firm EY finds the top three reasons people feel like they belong include how much employees trust their workplace, whether employees feel like they can be themselves, speak up and share information, and finally, the extent to which they feel their contributions are valued. Now, we might join our company for money, but we stay because we feel like we belong. People are 50% less likely to leave their workplace and 167% more likely to recommend their employer as a place to work if they feel like they belong, according to a career and leadership coaching platform, BetterUp's 2020 study, The Value of Belonging at Work. We join a workplace where we trust that giving our expertise and time will result in all the benefits listed in our employment contract, including our pay and other benefits. The more we achieve, the more tangible benefits we hope to accrue. But eventually, there's a limit to what we can earn. At the end of the day, what keeps us attached to our workplace is how much we feel like we belong. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode. A quick one before you go. If you love our podcast and would like more, please click subscribe now and leave a review. This support means a lot. Also, if you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, please reach out through our website, The Fix Podcast. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next week.